Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're joined by Jill Conrath. After an award-winning sales career in the technology and services sector, Jill is now an internationally recognized speaker and sales strategist. She's the best-selling author of four business books, most recently, More Sales, Less Time. LinkedIn has named her their number one B2B sales expert, and Salesforce selected her as one of the top seven sales influencers of the 21st century. As a consultant, Jill's worked with companies like IBM, GE, and Staples, as well as many mid-market firms. Her expertise has appeared in Forbes, Fortune, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Inc., Entrepreneur, the list goes on. So we're super happy to uh, have Jill with us today. Jill, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Um, Jill, I have to just comment on your big idea on your website, which kind of sums up everything Jonathan just said about you. Sales accelerated. Yeah. Love it. I do, yeah. I do too. I mean, it's, you know, in, in the niche that I'm in, it's about how do we make more sales and do it in less time? You know, how can we make it faster? But to me, it's not just faster. It's really about how do we have a better conversation that's more focused on the customer to, you know, to... That's what makes it faster, not just push. Love it. Well, mm -hmm. before we get into all this, maybe for some of the members of our audience who might be experiencing you for the first time, will you tell us a little bit more about who you are, kind of how you work, what you do? Uh, who I am. I am a sales consultant. I have been in the sales field pretty much my entire career. Uh, I never wanted to be in sales. I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but they told me when I brought my business plan into SCORE, Service Corps of Retired Executives, that um, it was a really good idea. And then they said, how are you going to sell this? And I looked at them. I thought, I said, I thought you thought, said it was a good idea. And they said, <laughs> it is, Jill, but somebody has to sell it. So I said, all right, I'll go into sales for one year. I'll learn everything there is to know, and then I will get out of it. You know, and, and anyway, I never left. So um, I found it to be fascinating and totally different than I thought it was. I assumed most salespeople were slimy, manipulative con artists like, you know, you see on TV or the movies. And um, I found out that in the business-to-business -business field, salespeople are intelligent, creative, um, concerned about their customers, focused on their customers, uh, trying to make, help them make good business decisions that uh, enhance the quality of their work. Um, and, it, and it was fun. And so I, I sold directly for a few years, and a few years, like eight years, and then I actually started my own company working as a consultant. Um, and did that for a long time, specializing in a very specific area of new products. And then my business crashed. I got totally wiped out um, because my two biggest clients came under pressure from Wall Street at the same time. And it took me a few years to get going again. And I had to reinvent myself. And in the new iteration, I became me that people see on my website, which was not what I was doing before. Well, one of the things that is so fascinating to me, Jill, is that it feels like, you know, from the outside looking in, that you've made some interesting pivots in your career. So what, what made you start your own business? I mean, leaving Xerox had to be a big deal. Yeah, I, I actually went into technology sales after Xerox. Um, what caused me to start my own business was really I have an extraordinarily low boredom threshold. And I was... 
I'm a really rapid learner. So I would throw myself into every new sales position, quickly learn it. And as soon as I learned it, I was no longer interested in it, which is, uh. which is not a good career choice then, right? I mean, if you're constantly um, leaving as soon as you get good at something. Um, but what I discovered was that I had the ability as, from a consulting perspective to go in to um, massively complex situations uh, challenging business environments and assimilate a whole lot of, of information about the buyer, the product, the sales process, you know, the marketplace. I, I, I was so good at rapid learning, I, I could assimilate that all quickly and put it into a structure that would help my clients um, be more effective faster. And so I became a consultant really to satisfy my need for continual um, interesting and challenging products, projects to work on. Mm, mm. I, I, I get you. I was thinking as you started to say that, well, gee, that's the definition of consultant. <laughs> we keep yeah. creating our new assignments. Yes, that's a, that, yes, it's all about creating your new assignments. I mean, to me, to find a niche um, and to go after the niche and to build it out and, and to get good at it and then, you know, to continually have new projects feeding me all the time. It was like, oh, I wasn't having as a consultant. <laughs> That sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a description you have on your website, and I, 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 I'm not sure why I hadn't seen it before, where you describe yourself as going from a quiet, unknown consultant, which I think mm -hmm. some of our listeners might relate to, mm -hmm. to this recognized international authority. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I'd love to hear more about how you did that. Oh, well, let me just say it was step by step, and it wasn't part of the game plan. I mean, it was never my game. It was never my intention to be where I'm at today. Um, so I didn't sit down one day and say I want to be well known and I want to have four best-selling books. I mean, I I thought I wanted to write a book, um, and that all I had to say in the whole wide world could be encapsulated in sixty thousand words, um, and then I wouldn't have another thing to say in my whole life. But what? happened to me is I sort of got caught in a couple mission type of things in my mind that I was on a mission to do things. I, there was at one point when I, I very vividly remember, um, you know, one year where all these conferences had all these bald white guys speaking, you know, it was like all these male sales reps that were older and bald and, you know, it's like, where are the women? Where are the women? You know, the, there's, you know, 20, 30% of the work of the sales force is women. They need women sales models. And, you know, this is right. me, my quiet person out in White Bear Lake who's doing good work. And, and um, I said, well, why does, you know, Anne wrote a book. Why doesn't she become more visible? Or, you know, Susan wrote a book. Why, why isn't she more visible? And, and they didn't want to be more visible. They just wanted to write a book and disappear and do their work again. And, and I finally went, oh, crap. Um, <laughs> it looks like if the women need um, a visible person to look up to, that it's going to have to be me because it seems yep. to be that I'm the only one on this bandwagon, you know? It's like, where are the women? Where are the women? Um, so, I mean, that, that became a responsibility of mine. I actually felt a very strong responsibility to be a role model for other women in sales because I had so desperately wanted to see women when I was growing up in my career. So that was one thing that happened. And, and I sort of got hooked into another idea, too. I did a pro bono project, and... Um, it was to help a magazine that served the small and medium business community. And I discovered through that how what was happening with entrepreneurs and other consultants and, and, and people in small businesses and how they were 
you know, trying to grow, and it seemed like there was always a bottleneck that was they were running into that they didn't know how to sell. You know, I mean, they reach a point where their business mm -hmm. can only grow so far, and and they're just working so darn hard for the amount of money that they're getting that they go back to the corporate environment. And I just thought that that's terrible. This is a sales issue. You know, how can I solve this? And and these people don't have a pot to pee in. You know, they can't afford me. I'm used to the corporate rates. And they can't afford me, so what can I do to serve these people and not go bankrupt? Which was a driving force of mine. This was back, you know, 10, little, 10, 15 years ago. And, um, I, and for months, I mean, I spent like 80 hours researching things, in my, and, and I couldn't find an answer. And I kept saying, how can I, how can I, how can I help these people and not go broke? You know, how can I help these people make some money? And one morning, I, I literally woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and a voice in my head spoke to me and said, thou shalt create a website called Selling to Big Companies, and your tagline will be helping small companies win big contracts. And I saw the whole thing. It was just like it came to me in just a bundle. And, you know, it, I created just-in-time content for people, and I just, you know, created this really nice website, put the website up, you know, and I'm, I'm so excited about it. I put the website up, and it's got this great content for consultants, you know, and people like me who, you know, who I know how to help. Right. And, and the day the website went up, I went, oh, my God, I have just created a wonderful website. And not a person in the whole world knows it exists except me. <laughs> um, and, I, and I devoted six months entirely to creating the website and writing content and putting stuff up. I mean, literally shut down my business to do the website. And so at that point, I went, well, I better figure out how to let, you know, how to become known because this is a website to help these people. And they don't know, so I have to become more visible. So that was the other impetus to become visible out there in the world. And one thing led to another. And I guess once I dumped everything out of my brain in my first book, you know, a few years later, new ideas started creeping in. And then the second, I mean, new ideas creeped in. Because I saw another problem that wasn't being solved out there, I, I, I had to tackle that problem because it was challenging to me. And I like, I like messes, sales messes. And so I had to tackle that problem and then I wrote you know and once I figured out what would work then I th thought I, well I have to write a second book you know so I wrote snap selling which is all about you know how do you sell to busy buyers who are who are too busy to, to talk to you on the phone or talk to you about going ahead with the project and then they never get back to you because everything else is going on in their company and I then I thought I'd said everything I needed to say and after I wrote snap selling that book people said to me oh Jill this is really good. It's really helping me get in to see these people. It's helping me keeping the conversation going and, you know, we're closing deals, more projects. And, and, I, and then they'd go, but, and it was like this but was a huge but. It was, but I'm crazy busy too. What do you have for me? And I looked mm -hmm. at them in horror and I'd say, oh, I haven't a clue. That's, I'm, I'm going nuts just like you are. And, <laughs> but, you know, you keep hearing that long enough and then, you know, that might creative brain starts, you know, working in the background and suddenly they go, well, I know one thing that can help with this. I know one thing. I know how to do rapid learning. I know how to get into um, a sales job and get up to speed fast because that was what I did, you know, with all my consulting work. You know, I know how the quick immersion, pick out the salient points and how to align them so you can figure out what to do. So I wrote a book on that called Agile Selling, which is how to get up to speed fast in a new sales position. And I thought I was done, that I'd said everything I needed to say. And then I was still crazy busy <laughs> myself and miserable. And finally, one day I woke up and said, well, this is no way to live. 
you know maybe I should study that and how I can change my life so I'm not you know I'm not going nuts all the time so then I studied that and of course every time I figure something out I feel this compelling need to share it with the world so that's what I did and so are you working on number five I am not right now no <laughs> I can't wait to hear what it's going to wind up being. I have no idea. I have to wait for the problem to emerge. You know, nothing. Is, I don't have a problem screaming at, remi- at me right now. I'm a, the biggest problem and challenge I have right now is I'm selling my house and downsizing, and I have um, I have three weeks to get out. So, um, and to well, yeah, that's a big. That's that's all I'm thinking about right now. That's huge. Thank you for making the time to talk to us in between. <laughs> In your story, that's sort of the way you punctuated it there at the end with, you know, you're waiting for the problem to reveal itself. Yes. So, you know, for the, it, that really speaks to sort of dogfooding your own material. Um, I'm a huge fan of the um, Selling to Big Companies book. I recommend it mm-hmm. to students all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's all about that. You know, it's, it's yeah. starting with starting with what's the benefit? What's the, what's the value proposition? Yeah. What, what is the, you know, don't talk about your competitors and how you're different from your competitors. Talk about the status quo and how you're different from that. And, you know, give it to them in tangible terms that are, that define business outcomes. If you're selling to, right. if you're selling to businesses and it's, I mean, it's one of those sort of slap yourself in the forehead types of things when you read it. It's like, well, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I, I believe that it does all start. It all it stems from that is, is like, what's the problem? You know, yeah. what's, what's, and hopefully it's an expensive problem. Yeah. Where people have this big expensive problem. They, the kind of thing they're losing sleep over. And, uh, and then when you stumble upon you, obviously your radar is finely attuned looking for that kind of thing. So I think a lot of people just sort of zoom right by them and don't pick up the, don't pick up the signal. Yeah. I, and I'm not sure, you know, yes, my radar is really attuned to because I've been in the sales field a long time. But what I think is really going on for a lot of people who are in the consulting business is they think about sales the wrong way. I mean, they fundamentally think about sales the wrong way, you know, which is the used car. I got to talk about myself and tell them about how unique I am and my wonderful services. And then they feel like frauds because they don't feel unique and they don't think that their services are really all that different. And they hate, you know, blathering on and on about how wonderful they are, you know, so they don't feel good about that. And, and then they don't want to sell. They just as soon just keep doing projects. But the reality of it is, if you can't, if you don't learn, and sales is a skill, if you don't learn and tackle it as a skill, you cannot create a sustainable career. And you have to look at it directly and say, it's a skill. I can learn it. Other idiots are learning it too, and they're no better than me. They just figured out how to get work. And if I can focus on that, I'll do fine. And you have to realize that it's not pushy. The best salespeople are consultants. I mean, they're, they're consultative in their nature, and they've learned how to take a consultative process that they use with their clients and move it into a sales methodology about understanding the business issue. And I mean, you know, anybody who's doing consulting is working on an issue, you know, that's why they're there. And so the, the challenge is to stop talking about, oh, we have this really unique methodology that we just love or we're, you know, we, we're so creative. It's really to talk about the issue and what they can't do, what do they want to do and what they're going to have trouble doing because of how they're currently, you know, 
a setup as an organization, the methodologies that they use, you know, everything that you could look at that could be a problem. So um, if somebody would realize that selling is really consulting and get off, you know, that I hate selling, I hate selling bandwagon um, and just say, look, I am really good at this and I want to be able to do this with my life. You know, I want to have a sustainable income. Um, I need to learn the skill and I need to approach it as a discipline that just is part of, you know, running a business. Yeah, I think a lot of consultants get kind of tossed around with this idea of their process because as a soloist, you typically have to have some expertise and you have to have a process on some level that you follow. And yeah. so the typical consultant thinks, well, I've got to tell the client about my process and there's yes. 17 steps. And it oh, looks God, like let's complicate things and now 17 <laughs> steps and, and a busy buyer go, oh, my God, 17 steps. Don't, you know, and then they'll be intimidated and bored. Exactly. Bored. Exactly. Yeah. It's focusing on outcomes. And, and Jonathan and I both, you know, we preach that to the heavens. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's, it, it really is as simple as that. When you think every consultant, and I grew up in, in a big consulting firm, so I learned the selling piece, consultative mm-hmm. selling in relationships mm-hmm. early. And mm-hmm. it just, it, it, once it becomes a natural part of who you are, you can't turn it off. You can't. Right. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Yes, it, it is a good thing because being consultative, you know, is, it's, it's a wonderful skill to be able to be, ask questions and figure out where the issues are and then to be able to step back and think, how can I help it? You know, I mean, that's what sales is too. And if you can take and just reapply those same skills that you have that make you a good consultant, you can get business, but you got to get over yourself, you know, and that you hate it. Yes, and the 17-step process. Oh, God, no. Nobody <laughs> wants your 17 steps. All you need to talk about is how do you get started. You know, here, let me suggest this is the starting point. You know, we have other things we can go on, but here's the basic starting point, what we have to do to get going on this project. I hear you. So what I'm wondering is, could we talk about your business model for a minute, Jill? Yes, so, <laughs> we could. Yes. My, I mean, I have an evolving business model because my business has changed dramatically over the years. Oh, I, I'd be amazed if it hadn't. I mean, yeah. one of the things we talk a lot about on the show is, you know, different creating digital products and books. And obviously, books are a key part of your business strategy. I mean, you've got four best-selling books in 12 years. So we all know that's a huge investment in time. Um, I'm wondering if you can walk us through the role that books play in your business model. So just as an example, um, some people think of books as really a standalone revenue stream and they look at books as I need, you know, I need to make money from, um, from this book and this is my plan and it's a, it's a revenue stream. And others say, listen, the book is really more about feeding my speaking business or my consulting business. It's a calling card. And I don't worry so much about the revenue from the books. What I, what I look at is how it supports the other things that I do. Yes. So that's what you want to know about my books, how I look at my books mostly. How do you you think about them? I'm curious. Okay. How I think about it is different from both ways that you described it. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So we have plan C over here. And and plan C is I like puzzles and problems and I like to figure them out. And every time I figure them out, I have a compulsive need to share the answers with people. Um, So I write books because what good does it do if I know the answers and have ideas that can make a difference to a whole lot of people. So to me, it's a mission-driven thing to write the books. I'm compelled to write the books. However, let me say the big however, 
However, I am very well aware <laughs> that they are the lifeblood of my business. So, but I don't write them for the money and I don't write them for exactly for getting the business. I write them because they need to be written. Mm. Because I, ha I, I have tackled an issue that people are facing and that I know that they're facing and, and that they can help people. So that's why I write them. But I, because I'm a salesperson at heart, you know, I truly do understand that there will be great payback, but it's not my driving force. I mean, I, I've written some books that I have, that I've, I may actually wrote a book in 2008 for people on how to use selling skills to get jobs when the stock market crashed. You know, not stock market, but the whole economy crash. I put a book out there mm -hmm. for free. Yeah. Why? Because people needed to know that you couldn't just go on to monster.com, you know, and put your resume up. They needed to know that they could target companies they wanted to work for and go after them and to create job opportunities on their own. So I wrote a book and just gave it away. Wow. Yeah, and that's a sort of a good segue into the absolute wealth of information and variety of formats that you have yeah. organized on your website. It's, um, I mean, it's, it's right. almost overwhelming. I mean, you have it organized very nicely, so it's not overwhelming, but it's, it's just a massive amount of information. Yes. Okay, so here's, here's, the, here's some of the things that you need to know. Um, I have said before that I'm doing mission, you know, I'm on a mission type thing. Yeah, you know, I, and I feel compelled to do this. Like, you know, write the selling to big companies book, put stuff out there. Um, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I can't remember exactly, somewhere in that time frame, I said to myself, how can I give my expertise away for free and make good money doing it? Which is an interesting question to mm -hmm. pose. Because mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like there's an answer. How can I give stuff away for free and make good money doing that? Um, and this is, and at that point, I, I I didn't know the answer. But one of the things I've always done is I post the question to myself. You know, like I said, how can I help these small businesses who don't know how to sell and don't have any money? How can I serve them? And you know, my brain works on it for three to four months, and suddenly one day the answer miraculously appears um, so anyway I did I posed the question how can I give away my expertise for free and make good money doing it and um, a few months later somebody contacted me a company contacted me about writing an ebook and they said we will market it to the VP of sales which is my target demographic and and I knew that their technology would you know that everything that they were creating was you know they were going to it was good for them to bless my work and for me to create an ebook for them. So I wrote an ebook for them, put it out there, and three months later, um, DB called, Dun and Bradstreet called, and they said, We saw this book that you wrote for this company, and we would really like you to write an ebook for us, and we'll share it with our readers. And, you know, for Dun and Bradstreet to say that, it was pretty cool, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, again, they, they had a division that was going after VPs of sales, my target readers. And so we talked and, and kind of focused on what the ebook would be like and I'm talking an ebook probably of two to three thousand words just for context for people and and they would do the design of the ebook and I would simply do the words so we got done talking had honed in on the topic and then the lady from DMB said to me um, and how much do you charge for this and now I thought I was doing an ebook from a pure marketing perspective and when she said that, I stopped and, and, and I said to myself, oh, my God, people are paying for this kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and so I said, $3,000. And she said, oh, we can afford that. 
Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so I wrote a nice ebook sharing my expertise. John and Bradstreet gave it away for free, and I made $3,000. And it was a one-week project. Not bad. Because that's also becoming a marketing piece for me out there. <laughs> you know? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How it's, sure. I, now right. I'm giving away my expertise for free to people who need it, and I'm getting paid for it. So then the first company that asked me to write the ebook called back and said, that ebook was the best thing we've ever had. We have more downloads, you know, from lead generation standpoint. It has been tremendous. We would like you to write another one. And I said, I would love to do that. But, you know, I'm really busy right now. And I'm going to have to charge you to do it because it would take away from my work time. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh. And they said, how much? And I said, $4,000. And they said, yeah, we can afford that. <laughs> so I took another week and wrote another ebook. Um, you know, didn't write the whole time, but just kind of thought about it, gave it some structure, and then filled in the meat. Again, two to three thousand words. Um, and then I realized that that my expertise was a revenue source, and it didn't hit me till that point. And so what I what most consultants don't understand is that there are companies. First of all, they serve a certain demographic. Like I, I serve and I'm expert for for salespeople and somebody else might be an expert in pricing and somebody else might be an HR consultant on, you know, mm-hmm. laws of some sort. Um, there are people who, there are people out there who sell things to the people we're trying to do work with. You know, like there's a whole bunch of technology people that sell things to my clients, you know, the kind of people I work with, the kind of people mm-hmm. I write for. Um, and so I literally created a business model where um, I did a couple things. Number one, I, I created content, and I still do. I create content for companies who are trying to reach salespeople. And I get paid really good money to create ebooks. Um, my daughter, when she was out of college in her 20s, went to work for a company that was an agency, and she actually um, wrote articles and blog posts for LinkedIn and, and uh, ebooks for LinkedIn, and they were paid 20, her agency was paid $20,000 to write an ebook. So now I raised my fee. Um, yeah. <laughs> And, and, and get paid $20,000 to write an ebook because college, you know, kids that were right out of college were writing these ebooks from agencies and they were getting expert opinions and putting it together where I, who am the expert, can sit down, you know, and, and write ebooks. And then they have a, the authority of my expertise as opposed to just, you know, LinkedIn ebooks. So they can market it better. So lead generation is crucial for a lot of companies today. They're desperately searching for content. Content can be delivered in multiple formats. I have written ebooks. Now I am doing interviews with people as part of my content. I've done video segments um, from a content perspective. Um, on podcasts <laughs> you know I do webinars I get paid to do webinars which they which they use oh we're having a webinar with Jill Conrath and you know sign up it's free but it's free for the people who sign up but it's not free I'm not giving away my time I'm being paid to do it because I'm an expert in this field and so I have an entire business model that is set on giving away stuff for free and making good money doing it wow <laughs> I love that explanation. I, Jonathan, I'm picturing our listeners going, really? I can do that? Oh, my yes, God. I There's so the much, you guys, on. there's yeah. so much money in lead generation. People are paying, you know, ten dollars or $20,000 to, to have an ebook, And you don't even have to be an expert, you know, like a well-known expert. You could easily charge, like I said, I started at $4,000 to have an ebook that was marketed to my, my target market. It's, so they're, 
other companies are blessing me, you know, by saying, here's an expert. <laughs> They're putting right. me in front of my targeted client you who's getting free it. advice and I'm making good money. And work comes from that. That's what you need yeah. to realize. It does come yeah. back to me in a different way. Um, the other thing I found, and a lot of people don't realize this, too, is the importance of having a good database as a consultant. And, and a, a database, a newsletter list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because, and here's what I can tell you, I discovered, um, again, I reach a certain demographic and a few years back after I asked that question, how can I give away my expertise for free and make good money doing that? You know, I write this newsletter and, and somebody approached me and said, um, we have a client who would like to know if you would write about this ebook in your, in your newsletter. And I said, or if you'd promote this ebook in your newsletter, I said, oh, I don't promote other people's stuff in my newsletter. You know, I just write my stuff. And, um, and they said, could we pay you to do that? And I said, um, like, what, why don't you send me the ebook and I'll take a look at it. And they sent me this ebook that was written and it was perfect for my audience. I mean, they would love it. It was well written. It wasn't, um, it wasn't promotional at all. It was really excellent content. And, and they paid me $4,000, you know, to do that. You know, it's like, oh, my God, all I had to do is send out a newsletter to my database and say, here's a all I had to do. Here's a really good ebook on this. You know, when you read it, you'll discover, and I had three bullet points, and then at the bottom, I'd write compliments of my vendor, and I'd have a link, you know, and I'd be paid to do that. So I, once I discovered that my database was an asset, I started building my database so I could charge more. I know. But it gives, allows me to give away good stuff for free and to get paid doing it, which allows me to stop and create more new content. Right. I like to do, it's the creation stuff that's fun for me. So how can I constantly be in a creation mode and still be, you know, giving and give my stuff away for free so I can create new stuff? Well, and the sense of mission that you have just kind of bleeds into everything, which I love. It's, I feel like that's your fuel. Yeah, it is my fuel. I mean, I, you know, money used to be my fuel. Um, and, and since I discovered, I mean, when I got hooked on helping small businesses, you know, which ultimately led to the selling to big company stuff, suddenly everything changed and, 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 um, <laughs> and my business kind of exploded on me when I was really trying to be more generous with the world. Does that make sense? And do sure. something. And yeah. it really did explode on me. And everything changed and I became that internationally recognized person. But that was never, ever my goal. But I became that. Wow. Uh, so how does speaking, how do speaking engagements figure into the, the mix? Well, I don't do consulting anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I literally had to make a choice a few years ago, uh, probably seven years ago now. Um, much as I love consulting, con you know, doing consulting work, um, what I discovered was that doing consulting work um, was, oh, was it like it, it wrapped, my whole brain got wrapped up in my client. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You get yes. so immersed in the work and, and, uh, and, and every creative thought I had was, oh God, how am I going to solve that? Or what am I going to do? And how do I make, how do I fix that? Um, and it took up all my creative energy and, and in order, and I had made a decision then I could either serve one client really well or I could serve a variety of people out there. And so I made a choice to serve a variety of people and to serve the world as opposed to my one client, which meant I had to walk away from consulting entirely and move into speaking, which is not something I'd done too much of, you know? So then I had to become a speaker, which is something I never wanted to do. But um, I became one because I wanted to share what I learned. 
<laughs> God, I, I feel like I'm a real oddball here talking. <laughs> but it's like if you're sort of on this mission and you've learned this stuff about how, you know, like how to sell to these companies or how to be more successful or how to, you know, how to get your life back in order. It's like, like those are important things. <laughs> I want people to know them so they don't have to go through the same learning curve that I had to go through. So how does speaking feed in? Speaking feed in, feeds in because I get paid well to do it, you know, I, and, mm-hmm. and it gives me a chance to be in front of more people, have a broader impact and, and you know, to have a broader impact. But it pays really, really well. You've got an international footprint, yes? Yes, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just, um, I was in, last month I was in Milan, Italy, and wrapped a nice vacation around it. So it was a lot of fun. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds perfect. It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so it, you have a, a lot of, it, it feels like uh, each of these different sorts of uh, pa- packaging of your expertise, each of these different offerings, if you will, even if they're free, you know, blog posts and eBooks and worksheets and videos and speeches and, 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 and books, they, they all, it's sort of like what I refer to as a, or, or people refer to as a flywheel effect where you've got this very, very clear focus at the hub in the center and everything just sort of revolves around it and, and yeah. adding a little bit, you know, once it's going, mm-hmm. adding uh, more energy to that motion sort of just keeps it in motion, keeps it accelerating. Yeah, it does. I'm curious if there were any any uh, sort of spikes or any anything in particular that you noticed really upped the ante for you, was very successful for you and got you to a new level. I don't know, one of the books perhaps being super successful or was it, you know, was there anything in particular that you could sort of share with the listeners that was, that you look back and say that maybe you didn't know it at the time, but man, that was smart. That really worked out for me. Oh, man. Um, a lot of things have worked out for me. <laughs> <laughs> it seems that way. <laughs> I, I, um, and, and no is a perfectly good answer. I mean, I, I'm kind of hoping you say no because... There's no magic here. I mean, right. like I said, this wasn't my goal. My goal was to do the work and to get paid a living wage, you know, have a good, a good enough income that I felt decent about the work that I was doing. Mm-hmm. I have passed up um, a significant number of revenue opportunities that have come my way and I have chosen not to do certain things because of lifestyle choices you know like I like I do speak but man I'm not promoting myself as somebody who's on the road 250 days a year I mean that's like crazy for me you know I I don't want to do that I mean speaking 20 times a year is sufficient you know I I'm I'm not you could tell I'm not totally different by money but I'm making really good money Mm -hmm. you know um you know I I have been approached numerous times to do online trading courses and I have not done them. I've not done them. What's um, the thinking there? Well, because I have seen a lot of people do them and I am very aware that it's not about the training program. The train a lot of people have created really good training programs. They've invested a ton of money in these things. And then in order to be profitable, they have to go into marketing mode and they have to have a large enough footprint out there from a marketing or from a database perspective, uh, or they have to be constantly marketing. And I don't want to do that. I want to give away my stuff for free and make good money doing it. Um, it's more fun for me to give it away. So I found another way to you know, to, so I don't have to keep selling programs. I, 
I just keep giving away stuff. <laughs> and I go to companies and say, I have an idea for something on how I can help you. <laughs> and then and I, and I pitch my ideas to companies about how I can create content, how I can create content that they can leverage. And most what people don't realize is the lead generation machines of companies are desperate for content. And, mm-hmm. and to me, it's, you know, I mean, if you have a niche and an expertise in a certain area, there is somebody who's trying to reach the person that you, that you um, work with, you know, and I don't care if it's auditors or, or, you know, warehouse foreman, you know, somebody's trying to reach them. And who are these companies who are selling to these people? And how can you create some good content that they can give away for free to attract these people into their database because they, they need to talk to them. They want something that is good. And we're experts and we don't value our content, you know, but it's they're paying kids out of college big bucks <laughs> to write articles or to write ebooks or to do, you know, things that we who are experts could do and, and do it so much better than, you know. I mean, to me, that's an opportunity that virtually every consultant is totally blind to. I told that to, I went to speak at National Speakers Association at one of their events in, in um, a few years back, and I was explaining this to people. And again, most people look at me like, oh, I couldn't do that. That's really weird. But one guy came up to me afterwards. He said, I am an expert in aging population <laughs> and how to take care of aging parents. Okay, that's his expertise. And he said, I have a 30,000 word document right now that I was, you know, thinking about putting out as a book. He said, what you've done is you've given me an idea. And he went to New York Life Insurance Company with his idea because they had a project, a, a product on, you know, uh, um, elderly care product. And, and he sold them. You know, and he, his first time out contacting New York, New York Life, going after the lead generation and demand generation department in their marketing arena and talk with them about creating an ebook on how to take care of your elderly parents or how do you, you know, decide on which uh, senior place is the best for your elderly parents. And $30,000, you know, on his first time out. And he already had the content. <laughs> Not bad. You don't make that much from writing a book usually. You know what I mean? Not your first one. Not your first one. No. Well, I'm having my own light bulb moment here because I've actually been hired to do things like you're describing. And it never occurred to me that there were anything other than random one-off sort of edge cases where I have, you know, I've written a bunch of books. The, uh, the target market is always software developers, specifically web developers Mm -hmm. and been hired by big companies to essentially do exactly to the letter what you're describing here uh-huh. uh, based and? on and it was great it's it, great I mean, money it gives you it, it's exactly what you're saying yeah. it's great money it's great exposure you get to share your ideas for free you get the sort of third party endorsement yeah. of you know whoever Nokia or Cisco or, or whoever yeah, else right. Intel right and uh, but the 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 shoe that never dropped for me was that you could actually go after that kind of work specifically. And and it just seemed to me so random. And so, uh, I mean, now that you're saying it, it's obvious that it's not, but it never even occurred to me to, to think like, Oh, that, that could be my whole business. It It surely could have. I mean, the two, the two things about leveraging my database and sharing in information about good webinars that are coming up or or good ebooks that other companies have written and the combination of doing my own content creation for companies was 50% of my revenue last year. Mm. And it wow. was fun. 
work. Right, it's it fun is work. fun. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of the projects, some of the ebooks that I wrote in the last couple of years, um, you know, and, and talking with people, I, I interview some of their best clients, and I write up like like um, I one ebook I did was for um, a company called Velocify that that does software for inside sales and um, inside sales people call on the phone and and they had me interview five VPs of sales that are running um, high performance teams sales teams and I wrote an ebook it was fast it was fun to do because I got to talk to all these these five people and get inside their brain and these are again people <laughs> yeah. that are like my customers you know <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> You know, I got to interview them, and and then I got to write up like seven things I learned from them in an ebook. You know, the seven characteristics of top performing sales leaders. You know, it's like, oh, that was fun. It gave me more recent, you know, connectivity with my base. I got to ask insightful questions. They were delighted to be included in the project. You know, it's like, man, this is cool work. Mm. Win, 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 win. Yeah. So if someone was going to, I, I know specific individuals who are more, you know, not, I think they would refer to themselves as copywriters or data analysts, and they, they don't see themselves as maybe as, as big of an expert at their area of expertise than I would consider them to be, who I imagine will listen to this and not it, it, perhaps be skeptical or clueless about what next next steps to take to if maybe they are interested in experimenting with these ideas what you know as a sales expert what would somebody in a situation like that do as a first step first so if you wanted to do this you mean as like to make money doing like what i was just describing Right. You know, if, if uh, you know, you said their companies are desperate for lead generation, they're really paying are. college kids to do it. And <laughs> I, I know tons of listeners, I know for sure that there are tons of listeners of this show and also uh, another show that I do that, um, that are just, they have no, you know, people don't, they'll say all the time, people don't value what I do. What I do is a commodity. You know, they're trying to sell themselves by the hour on Upwork, you yeah. know, and, and they're competing with people in the Philippines who are charging $3 an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, they feel like um, giving up, frankly. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is a very, very interesting uh, approach that has never occurred to me consciously before, but I, I wouldn't know where to recommend that they start. Right. Most people don't because they don't understand sales and they don't understand, they don't understand lead generation either. And they think that it's like, it's, um, you know, they, they just don't think that people are doing that. But if they understood, first of all, that, that companies are desperately trying to get people into their database so that they can initiate conversations with them about potentially buying their product or service. Um, the first place you have to start is saying, well, who are the people that I'm continually working with? You know, is, is it purchasing? Is it um, marketing? You know, CMOs? Is, you know, where am I working? And you have to say, then, who, who is trying to sell these people things? And, and honestly, you know, you could talk to, if you're, t- you know, working in marketing and selling with CMOs, you could talk to the CMO and say, you know, what kind of things do you make decisions about? And they might say, well, we make decisions about technology. I mean, CMOs are making, you know, there's a lot of marketing technology right now, or we make decisions about this or that. And um, whatever they tell you, then you have to find out like who's, you know, like what companies are in that business. But if you're selling to the CMO, which technology companies are trying to reach the CMO? Which tech, or if you're selling to an attorney or law firm, which companies are trying to reach law firms? 
you know, to sell them what? What products and services? And you have to just start thinking about it and start researching the companies. And there's no shortcut to do that. Mm -hmm. But once you start researching the companies and you say, oh, this company sounds like, you know, it's kind of aligned with what I do, you know, and, and we're kind of talking the same thing. I'm just, I'm just helping on the edges of it. Mm -hmm. Then you have to look and you have to go to LinkedIn and you have to look and Google things like demand gen, demand generation or um, lead generation and find out who's in their marketing department and take a look if they have any. I go to their website and I take a look. Are they offering any ebooks? Do they have webinars? You know, do they have infographics? Um, I mean, I've been paid a lot of money for one-page cheat sheets, too. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, a little one-page cheat sheet, cheat, blah, blah, blah. I can't talk. <laughs> a little one-page cheat sheet that I've written, you know, I mean, you know, I've got $3,000 for kind of writing up something that I sort of already knew, and that didn't take very long. Mm-hmm. Um, but just going to the website and seeing, are they doing lead generation on their website? And you can tell they're doing it if you have to fill out your name for something and give them an email address. Mm-hmm. then you know they're doing lead generation, right? Right. Sure. Yeah, it's obvious. It's, yes, it's obvious. And so once you know, yes, they are leveraging lead generation, and you don't want to have to talk somebody into it because they don't get it. You want to always work with somebody who gets it and see what they have and, you know, and see if you can think of an idea to add something else. Like the one I was talking about before with, with um, Velocify, you know, I went to them with an idea because I checked out their website and they didn't have anything on onboarding salespeople. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing. And so I suggested that they might want to consider that and let's talk. You know, you, you can send out an email to the head of lead gen. And by the way, not just one, because if you look at any of my books, you'll find out it takes, you know, eight to 10 touches, contacts in order for this mm-hmm. person to get back to you. Um, but you know, you initiate contact and you suggest an idea, then you state that you've been on their website. Uh, it looks like they're, you know, uh, doing lead generation. You have some ideas on how to uh, create an ebook or do a webinar or for, you know, whatever it is that you want to create yourself um, and just suggest that you set up a time to talk. It's not pitching them on your writing skills. It's, it's suggesting that you have an idea that might help them generate more leads. And generating more leads, as we all know, is a very desirable business outcome for certain people. Oh, my God. Yes. It's what they want. And if it's in your area of expertise, you know this stuff and you can write an ebook and being paid $10,000 or whatever to sit down and write an ebook in one week, that's 2,000 to 3,000 words. Mm -hmm. That's not a lot of writing. I mean, a book is my first two books are 60,000 words and my second two are about 40 40 to 45,000. So. Yeah, it's super doable. It's, it's just great. This is great. Well, I just want to point out to our audience that the key is knowing who you're serving, yes. knowing who your sweet spot is, being yeah. crystal clear is going to help you. You can't start this without knowing that. You can't. Yeah, it's critical. The whole idea falls apart if you don't have that. Yeah, it sort of goes back to, I mean, you, you talked about selling to big companies, you know, at the onset. I mean, selling to big companies is about really knowing who your target market is. Who am I going after? You know, who is this kind of company? Who is the specific buyer? You know, mm-hmm. what value do I bring? And it's, it's about focusing and, and, and um, creating a conversation with somebody you want to reach. So it all goes full circle. 
Well, that's a perfect segue to a wrap up. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I was going. I couldn't do better myself. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Jill. This has been solid gold. Just really, really great. Yes. Where should people go to find out more about you and your books and all the other wonderful things that you have available? JillConrath.com. That's it. JillConrath.com. Perfect. Conrath with a K. Yes, we will absolutely <laughs> link all of this up in the show notes. Jill with a okay. J, Conrath with a K. Yeah. <laughs> all right, great. Well, thanks again for joining us. And Thank you so much. That'll do it for the Business of Authority. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Bye-bye.